Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Yeah, it is. Hello, everyone. Welcome in to the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am the aforementioned Xander. It is Wednesday, April 21st. But I'm actually recording this on Tuesday, April 20th. 420, Blazer! Yep. Oh, yes. Well, how about this? Last year here in Virginia, where you get to blaze it illegally because it's going to be legal. Oh. I know know everyone's going to love that. But this is the Xander's Facts Podcast, episode 12. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you want to support the Xander's Facts Podcast, if you think it's cool, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast, and follow at Xander's Facts on Twitter, Facebook, ew, Instagram. Spread the word. Instagram is owned by Facebook. The Xander's Facts Podcast, number one in our, our hearts, I guess. I don't know. But I wanted to talk about something big this week that's been going on. You probably heard about it, but first, it was a very busy 420 today. Apple did some stuff with podcasts. And moments before, sat down and started to record this podcast. We got the we got the verdict here in the Derek Chauvin trial, the trial of the police officer who murdered George Floyd. And we can finally say that. The law on the side of justice. Because it was found that Chauvin was guilty on all three counts that he was charged with, found guilty, led away in handcuffs to prison. Big moment today. Big moment for justice and equality in America. We all knew he was guilty. Because all you had to do was look at the video. And you see a police officer holding his knee on the neck of another man for several minutes. And you say it shouldn't matter if he was white or black or whatever. He or she doesn't matter saying, I can't breathe, many times before everything gave out because he was being suffocated. It just, you know, it's just, it's a big moment, but it's one step towards what we're trying to get done here in America, which is justice for all, which is fair Policing is part of it, too, because we talked about it last week, what we should pass in the Congress, the Justice in Policing Act, which is going to help stop some of the bad things that are going on in police stations throughout the country. Because if you think There's no systemic racism in policing. I mean, you know, what's wrong with that? Then clearly you're not paying attention. Or you're just trying to look the other way. Because it is clear, it has been made clear this past year especially, but it should have been clear to us centuries and decades ago, 
that this is what's going on. So it was a big moment today on 420 when we were all blazing it, and we found out that um, the poli- this police officer was found guilty, and we were worried it wouldn't have happened because qualified immunity is there. Oh, the police officer can do what he wants because he was in danger. Well, let me watch the video. But a lot of people were bringing this up today. What if there had not been a video? We saw those two witnesses, a 17-year-old and a 9-year-old, who were getting a snack at the um, food store there. What if they hadn't stopped and started filming with their phones? We might have had another verdict. We, the justice that was just served may have never been served, may have never happened. Because it was finally witnessed on video what has been going on. What people have been telling us has been going on for decades. But when we finally catch it on video, this is what happens. I mean, there you go. I don't know. We'll get to that. We'll have a whole big discussion about this in a later episode. But I just thought it was important because this was a big moment. You know, this is one of those moments where uh, you're going to be telling people years from now where you were when you heard that verdict come down because it was a it's a first step hopefully it was a momentous moment hopefully in american history had a couple of those recently all right that there you go so that's i that's uh the first thing the big thing i wanted to talk about this weekend was what's going on across the pond so i was you know this weekend i didn't know what we were going to talk about here on the Intersex Podcast, episode 12, I was like, well, how are we going to top the great episode of last week that was Emergency Facts with the uh, <laughs> cold cocked, you know? But then, all this stuff starts coming out. There's a, there's a super league that's going to happen. Super! And I was like, well, that doesn't sound very good. So I started doing some digging. And I was like, this is what we're going to talk about this week. The super league. Which, now, you know, not doing this a few days earlier, it's starting to unravel. But that's a good thing. And I'll tell you why. Because if you're a fan of the Super League, I don't know what... Ugh, gosh. Alright, so, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there have about 12 major soccer clubs in Europe announced over the weekend that they would create this new tournament league the super league the european super league which would in effect replace the champions league which is what all the major soccer clubs in europe play in now every year this would replace that the european super league so the goal was to create a league in which the top clubs in the world would routinely face each other while they were also be the only ones who get to split the potential revenue. So right now in the Champions League, which is managed by UEFA, which also manages the Europa League, there are a bunch of small teams in there too because qualification process goes through the many different leagues that each of the nations have in Europe. And so there's a lot of revenue that goes to smaller clubs, too. And club, they're not major ones. The ones you've heard of, 
uh, Man City and Liverpool and Real Madrid and Juventus and all the big ones. So these clubs tried to make a league that only they would be allowed in. It'd be tw- so 12 teams from three nations announced they would plan to join this. They wanted to get three more permanent members and five members that would come each season through an unknown process, but we don't know. So the six who tried to join from England, the UK, the English Premier League, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United, and Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham and from Spain in the La Liga, Atletico Madrid, FC Barcelona, Real Madrid, and from Italy, the Serie A, AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Juventus. These were the 12 teams who announced. So basically, what this league was trying to do is trying to model itself off of what we have in the U.S., these pro sports leagues like the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, NHL, where the best of the best have their own league, and they get to split the profits themselves evenly. That's what they do. Pro sports, even though it's, oh gosh. So why would they do this? Well, there's one big reason why they would do this here. And it starts, you might be surprised when I say this, it's one word. Oh my gosh, why would they do it? Money! Who? There is money involved, of course! So, as I said, with the revenue splitting under the current deals, these big clubs, the ones I mentioned who tried to join, have to share the revenue that they receive from their respective domestic leagues with the other members of their leagues. There's a lot more than three mem- uh, three members in the La Liga, which is Spain's top soccer league, or the Serie A, and there's 20 members of the English Premier League each year, more than six there. They get to split them relatively fairly based on where you finish on the league table at the end of the year. And so they also have to split the revenue they get from the UEFA tournaments, the Champions League, the Europa League, which they also participate in, in addition to those domestic leagues in their own country. These UEFA UEFA tournaments are across Europe. So I saw the BBC ran a story this weekend. It's the headline, Super League makes financial sense for top clubs. Well, of course it does. It doesn't make any sense. That's why they did it. They... These all, all these clubs are owned by millionaires and billionaires, just like all this pro sports in the U.S. are. But that didn't always be. It, didn't all, it wasn't always how it happened in America, but that's how it's become over the last decades. But that's really not how it's been in Europe with soccer, football, which is the dominant sport over there by far. And it has been for centuries, decades, long time. A lot of these clubs have been managed and owned by their respective communities. The people of Liverpool, the people of Madrid, the people of London for Chelsea had the power with these clubs for a long time. But as we've seen in American sports, money's going to get in there somehow. This is kind of, 
this is what we're seeing with the NFL right now. I mean, the the billionaires that own these teams in the NFL have done it for decades and decades and decades. But they just added a 17th game to the regular season. And why else would they do that except for ESPN and Fox and CBS and NBC are going to say, Ooh, an extra game, here's some more money! You know, that's another game in the season, which, so it replaces a preseason game, so there's only going to be three preseason games, but it replaces a preseason game, which, you know, a lot of people don't play in, with a regular season game, which means a lot more and increases the risk of potential injury, along with, you know, the grueling process that is an NFL game and the aftermath of it without an extra bye week, which is what they were talking about. So there's still only one bye week, but there's 17 games of regular season football for each team now. Like, they don't care about player safety. It is clear that the players' interests and their safety are not at the forefront of the minds of these clubs that are fighting for the 17th game in the NFL season, which I'll still watch, by the way, you know, because I'm cynical, and the clubs out in Europe. The players' safety, you know, that's just bull, but a lot of it is more on the tradition because tradition is the backbone of soccer in Europe. Because, as I said, these communities in the UK especially, and Germany and France and, you know, many other European nations, have clung together and they have controlled their respective clubs for a long time, decades and decades. But now, with the money that has poured in, and a lot of these owners actually are owners of American sports teams. LeBron James is a part owner of Liverpool. Stan Kroenke, who owns the Rams, owns Arsenal. So it's the American influence. And American sports, you probably don't want to model yourself off them if you're going to think about the fans and the players' well-being. But if you want the money, go ahead. Because the NFL just signed contracts with TV providers that are going to start in a couple years that it's going to give the NFL over $10 billion a year. And they're going to get hundreds of billions of dollars from these new TV contracts because people are going to watch it. Even though mm, the ratings are starting to go down. Like we saw with the Super Bowl. Where second Super Bowl in a row, I believe, where the ratings were under, where the viewership was under $100 million. In a game where it, the viewership peaked over 114 million people watched that Seahawks-Patriots Super Bowl in 2014. And now you can see it's starting to decrease. Not as many people are interested. And if it not for fantasy football and such or Red Zone, interest would probably be significantly lower. Because all they've done is fight for every last dollar. 
That's what they're doing. The NFL's been doing it. These clubs now are starting to fight for every last dollar. And it's clear. This is one of the most blatant money grabs in the history of sports. You know, we've seen plenty of blatant money grabs. What do you think Thursday night football is? Give me a break. Overrated. But this is just, I mean, ew. Ew! And the problem, so here's the problem here. So all these big clubs, there's two sides here. There's these big clubs where, you know, I'm not personally a fan of any specific club, but a lot of people, even here in the U.S., are attached to these specific clubs. So they're on one side, not the fans, the fans have gone to the other side, but on the other side you've got FIFA and UEFA and the FA, who are some of the most corrupt sporting organizations in the world. They're trying to preserve the tradition and sanctity of European soccer, of what it has been for a long, long time. You've got FIFA, who is the governing body of soccer around the world. You've got UEFA, who I mentioned earlier, who's the governing body of soccer in Europe. And you've got the FA and other domestic governing bodies. The FA is the governing body of soccer in the UK and England. So those are the two sides you've got. And as I, you know, if you haven't heard about the problems with FIFA... Listen up! Well, how about this? Deep Dive Seder's Facts. So, FIFA, which is the International Federation of Association Football, the in- so, it's soccer's governing body. The roots of corruption have run back decades, but it all came to a forefront in 2010. So, 2010 was the year that FIFA awarded the World Cups in 2018 and 2022. And the two countries they awarded those World Cups to were Russia and Qatar. Which apparently you can say Qatar or Qatar. Apparently both of those are fine. How about that? So, you know, Russia's got its issues, but Qatar, this little tiny country that kind of jets off from Saudi Arabia. So the main issue with that is Qatar has been known for terrible human rights violations and in 2017 by saudi arabia and the uae it was accused of sponsoring terrorism by saudi arabia i mean whoa so i mean you know so in 2015 the u.s department of justice started investigating this they indicted several of the top executives from fifa because it was found that you know, it, uh, the selection process for 2022 probably wasn't very fair. There was probably a lot of under-the-table deals that were made with that. And so while FIFA was headquartered in Switzerland, it still is, the Swiss actually worked hand-in-hand with the U.S. to investigate these corruption claims. So this led to the impeachment of FIFA's president, Set Blatter, at the time, back in the fall of 2015, and... UEFA's president, Mikel Platini, was banned from holding the president of UEFA. And so both of these individuals were banned from involvement in soccer until the 2020s. Uh, Platini until 2023, Bladder until 2027. They're both very, you know, they're old individuals, so until they're going to come back. So in 2016, FIFA elected a new president 
who is UEFA General's secretary, he was at the time, Gianni Infantino from Italy. However, we still don't know exactly all the details about the scandal and what actually may still be going on. However, it doesn't appear that there was any corruption involved with the 2026 World Cup bid, which was won by the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. So the, the World Cup's coming here in 2026. It's the truth. So FIFA is not very trusted, in short, in the football community. Because literally, there's going to be a World Cup in Qatar next fall. Like, really. So that's one side of this. <laughs> and that's the side that most fans have taken in this argument is the side of FIFA and UEFA and the FA and these leagues, the Premier League. FIFA's proposed banning players from these clubs from participating in the World Cup next year. UEFA is saying, if you go ahead with this, we're going to remove you from this year's champions in Europa Leagues, which are in the semifinals. And the FA and the Premier League are saying to the English clubs, the Liverpools and the Man City United Chelsea, those, that if you go ahead with this, we might ban you from participating in the Premier League, in the FA Cup, which is another domestic cup tournament that is held in England. Ban you from domestic competition. So all of this has just been... And the fans of these clubs, it has been resoundingly against this Super League. Yeah, they're arguing it damages the game and the lower clubs. I saw last night James Corden's show, The Late Late Show, which, you know, I don't really like James Corden, but he would probably know about this, being a big soccer fan and being from the UK. You know, he, he blatantly said, this is going to ruin our game. You know, like we've seen in America. The greed has just taken over. And so what this reminds me of is how we have structured college sports, specifically college football. Because it's not like the pro sports leagues we have in the U.S. where everyone gets the cut evenly. Everyone has an, kind of an equal chance of winning. The Milwaukee Bucks get the same amount of money from the NBA that the Los Angeles Lakers do. It doesn't matter, you know, besides um, advancement into playoffs and such. You know, with TV deals, they get the same amount of money. It doesn't matter the media market that you're in. They all get equal. You know, the Jacksonville Jaguars get the same as the Dallas Cowboys because it's salary capped. And soccer isn't salary capped. So that's how you've gotten these major powers. And, you know, it's a lot harder to create a major power in a U.S. pro sports league than it is in Europe because in Europe, you can get this these rich owners, Stan Kroenke and Arsenal, or what's happened with Liverpool recently, and you just get you can just buy all this talent. And the Premier League's not going to say, oh, no, you can't do that, because there's no cap on which you can stay under, unlike the NBA. Because the NBA says, well, you can't sign LeBron and Curry and Giannis all to the same team, because they're all going to want the max deal under which the CBA allows, the collective bargaining agreement, 
which was negotiated by the league and the Players Association, because there's a salary cap, and under the salary cap, you won't be able to sign these players. And there's a draft where the worst teams who perform, more than likely, the lottery, get the best picks. So they get the best players who are coming in. And so, the parity. But when I talk about how it relates to college sports and college football, basically leaving the small schools or clubs behind, which is which is what college football has done. College sports. But it really, really college football. Because the structure of how college football works is that the big schools that have the most money are more likely to succeed. When I say this, you know, athletic budgets. So today, a 420. It was a big 420. Virginia Tech just announced today a new athletics fundraising campaign, which would renovate Castle Coliseum, which I'm excited about basketball. Wow! But in 2018 and 2019, that academic year, the athletic department reported a revenue of just under $100 million. That's their budget. So out of all the Division I public schools in that academic year, that ranked 42nd. You know, Virginia Tech's a pretty big school. So out of so the lowest Power Five school, their revenue was $71 million, 54th place. That was Washington State. The other five are Oregon State, Georgia Tech, California, and Kansas State. You know, have you even have you really heard about those schools doing well in football recently? Washington State, their only success that they've had recently was under Mike Leach, who just left for Mississippi State. In SEC school, which I'll, you know, the conferences, I'll get to that in a second. But first place on that list was the University of Texas. Their total revenue was $224 million. What do you say? So Virginia Tech, who's a pretty big football school, was just under $100 million. Texas had a total budget for their athletic department of $224 million that same year. Texas A&M had 212 million. Ohio State had 210 million. These are football. These are big football schools. These are schools who are can be good at other sports too because, you know, all the money comes from football and you can trickle that down to smaller sports too that don't make money for you. But out of the top 15 schools on that list, conferences. 7 of those schools were from the SEC. Five were from the Big Ten, two were from the Big 12, and one was from the ACC. No Pac-12 schools. And on that list, 14th was Iowa, and 15th was Kentucky. Huh. I love Kentucky, but... You know, they had the 15th largest athletic budget for public schools because they're in the SEC. So, when I talk about the disparity, it's a lot to do with the conference. So they Texas didn't get all that $224 million from what the Big 12 and their uh, uh, school network gives them. You know, a lot of it comes from, you know, fundraising in other areas. But the majority of these schools' athletic budgets comes from their conferences. And the conferences split 
the money they receive from television to the schools equally. And so, as I said, out of the top 15, seven were from the SEC, five were from the Big Ten. Guess which conferences get the most money out of TV deals? Here comes a fact! The Big Ten schools get $51 million each year from their conference because of the TV deals the Big Ten has with ESPN and Fox. And the SEC schools get $45 million a year because of their TV deals with CBS and ESPN. And the SEC just signed a new deal with ESPN, which would replace the SEC's package with CBS. So the CBS premier game of the week for the SEC is going to be on ABC and ESPN in a few years. The CBS was paying about $60 million a year for that package. ESPN, starting in 2023, is going to be paying $300 million a year to the SEC for that package. So that's another $20 million per year that each school is going to get starting in 2023. That's cool. And the Big Ten has their TV rights deals are up in 2024. And so in contrast, the Big 12 gives their schools $38 million annually. The Pac-12 gives their schools $31 million, and the ACC gives their schools $30 million, each of them. Notre Dame gets a lot less, though. And so by, and actually in 2029, the payout differences are going to look wider because four of the five Power Five conferences have their TV rights deals that are up in the middle of this decade. The SEC did... Now they don't because they signed that deal with ESPN. The ACC is the only one who does not. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the Big 12 all have their TV deals expiring in the middle of this decade. So they're going to get a lot more money from these TV deals because streaming services are going to be involved too. Amazon might want some rights. Uh, you never Apple. So by 2029, the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be looking to pay each, each of their schools over $80 million. That's larger than Washington State's athletic budget now. You know, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 would be paying their schools around $60 million a year. The ACC, because their deal with ESPN was signed in 2016, it was a 20-year deal to start the ACC network, which launched 10 years too late, goes until 2036. So the ACC is not going to get any additional television revenue for another 15 years. So the ACC would only get about $50 million per school. You know, and Texas, the reason Texas makes a lot more from television than $36 million is they have their own 20-year deal with ESPN for their own network, which you've probably never heard of, the Longhorn Network, which is on, if you don't live in Texas, it's on the top tier of your DirecTV lineup. So they get $20 million or however so a year until 2031 from ESPN on top of what they get from the Big 12's deals with ESPN and Fox. Quick facts! So when you take a look at what they're trying to do in Europe with Chelsea and Liverpool and the Big Dogs who are trying to make the Super League are trying to say, well, I don't want you to have that money from the Champions League. I want my own tournament so I can get my own money. I don't want to split it with you. And that, you know, I was talking about these big numbers from Power 5 schools and how the ACC in 2029 is going to be $30 million short 
of what the SEC is paying their schools. I mean, think about the group of five schools from the American and the MAC and the Mountain West conferences and the Sun Belt, FBS schools. It's, you know, you think there's div- division in how those schools perform. Just wait for another few years when the American is getting a couple million to their schools from their deal with ESPN, the SEC schools are getting $80 million a year from the same network, too. And the college football playoff, this is something I wanted to talk about, the college football playoff has made things worse. The FBS was pretty bad, but only four teams get the chance to compete for the championship each year. And there have been no teams from the group of five leagues that have gotten in. Yeah, it's been the SEC, the Big Ten, and the ACC, actually. The Pac-12 has gotten one or two teams in. The Big 12 has only been Oklahoma. You know, Texas hasn't even shown up. You know, that money from the college football playoff, once you get in there, is big for these schools and these conferences. You know? It's created the worst parity out of all the college sports. UCLA, who has not been a big basketball... They're a huge basketball school, but they have not been good in a decade. Just went to the Final Four. No one expected it. Oregon State was in the Sweet 16. Loyola Chicago. You know, that's partly how March Madness is set up. But it's also... There is much smaller divide between the top schools and the middle of the pack schools in college basketball, and in other college sports too. You know, baseball, softball, those sports are going on right now. There's not a huge divide between the schools at the top and the schools who are just middle of the pack and the schools at the bottom. You know, it was worse though. (laughs) I mean, it was. You know, the BCS only had two teams, so they only had that one championship game. Before the 1990s, there wasn't even a college football championship game. It was whoever was at the end of the poll, and there's two polls. There was two polls. There was the coaches poll and the AP poll. So one team could have won the AP poll, and one team could have won the coaches poll. So then you've got two national champions in the same year. So that doesn't even make any sense. That's you know a different argument. But with the money aspect, they've gone for the money, and so you know even though it would give them more money. If they change the college football playoff to eight teams or, you know, however many, it would help. Because more teams, group of five teams, you know, if they had guarantees for each of the conferences to get a spot and a group of five teams to get a spot, it would help increase the competition. The FCS has 24 teams in their playoff, and they don't have any bowl games. And part of the reason we do bowl games is the tradition and, you know, well, that stuff, but... As we have seen, tradition really doesn't matter as much here in America as it does in Europe. And so when I say college football looks a lot similar to this new Super League, it's because the disparity there would be in terms of funding for the big clubs versus the little clubs. You know, a lesser city who has done very well in the Premier League in recent years, would not be invited, they would be getting tens of millions of dollars less in television revenue, not to mention what, you know, other sponsorships these clubs would get from being in the Super League. 
they'd get tens of million dollars less than Chelsea or Arsenal, who hasn't done squat recently in the Premier League Arsenal. So, what does this mean? You know, there is something good that's coming out of this here. So it looks like what we found today, that Chelsea and Man City are planning to pull out. Arsenal actually sent out a tweet that apologized to their fans and said they're pulling out. So, you know, Jay, I don't agree with James Corden a lot, but he was right. This, this would really ruin soccer in the UK. What we see as a sport of honor and tradition over there in the Premier League, you know, all fancy and stuff. And that's a good thing. Because soccer, I'd make an argument that soccer is the fastest growing sport in the U.S. right now. Hold on a second. Because football is decreasing. Baseball has gone off a cliff. The hockey's new deal, the NHL just signed a new deal with ESPN, so that might bump hockey up. The NBA is going to be the NBA. They're always increasing. But soccer, you know, the interest in the Premier League has gone significantly up in recent years. MLS, I sat and watched like two MLS games this weekend. I was like, well, they're pretty good games because MLS, Major League Soccer here in the U.S. just started this weekend. So I was like, well, watch that. You know, soccer is a rapidly growing sport here in the U.S. And if that happened, if that happened, if Chelsea actually said they were going to go through with this. Christian Pulisic, who was arguably the best player on the U.S. national team, wouldn't be able to play in the World Cup because he pl- he's playing on Chelsea. And FIFA said, you can't have that happen. So it looks like this, is, this isn't going to happen. I was going to say, it looks like one side's going to blink. And it looks like the clubs started to blink. And, you know, because of the fan outcry. Because it shows you the disconnect between the billionaire owners of these clubs and the common fan who's working in a, a middle-income salary. How they they would think, because apparently this has been going, they've been planning this for years. How they would think that whole time, you know what, they're probably going to like this. I, they're vehemently against it. It just shows the disconnect and disparity, and that's major issue it's been a major issue here in the u.s especially in politics you know that's how it goes but that's a big topic and a lot of people didn't know the specifics of this super league and you know what it means why is everyone so angry well now hopefully you know why you should be angry about it and why you should be angry about college football because the university of texas is getting over a hundred million dollars more than virginia tech and virginia tech who is known as a great football school, was in the national championship in the year 2000 with Michael Vick. Is there any realistic possibility they can get into the college football playoff soon? You know, not just based on their performance, but because of their conference they're in. Anyone except for Clemson in the ACC? Pac-12? That's just... And and guess how much money of that $50 million the Big Ten gives to their schools each year goes to the players directly. I'll give you a hint. Zero. Zero dollars. That's about to change. But right now, that's how it's been. 
but you have to pay uh, the football coaches millions and millions of dollars each year, so that's why it costs tens of thousands of dollars each year to go to college. And then it's it's another ending circle. I'll stop. Xander's Facts Podcast. There we you know. There we go. Alright. We talked about George Floyd, the trial, how we got a we got a verdict that we needed to help our country move forward. We did. And we talked about how bad the soccer, super soccer league is. Not so super league, you know? Alright. But that's gonna do it for this week. Xander's Facts Podcast. Next week. Remember, as I said last week. Mock draft NFL. The NFL draft is actually next week. It starts Thursday. So the day before, you're going to have to listen to my mock draft to see if I'm right about any of these picks. And I'm going to go head-to-head with Mel Kuyper. Better watch out, Mel, because I'm coming for you. I'll just say this. I got Baylor. Xander Shoffley did pretty well at the Masters. I'm on a hot streak. So eh, you better watch out. It's going to be fun next week, though. (laughs) Oh, boy. I love you, Mel. All right, that's going to do it. Episode 12 of the Zaders Facts Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Once again, remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review this episode of the Zaners Facts Podcast and follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And most importantly, tell all your friends, Zaners Facts Podcast, the best podcast in the world. As told to me by many people, and many people are saying it, okay? You know, there's people all around saying it. All right. <laughs> That's it. All right. Episode 12 of the Zeta's Facts Podcast is in the books. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Lightning, the masses.